to speak to speak after that. Last week we spoke on Jesus addressing great faith and unbelief. And so today we will build on that by talking about um, not just unbelief, but the cause and the remedy for unbelief, as we read in the scriptures. So this morning, we will read first in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 26 to 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should rise, should sleep by night, and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And here Jesus is talking in parables about the kingdom of God. And of course, this is the how the kingdom of God, uh, Jesus says, it's like this. Excuse me. So, if this is what the kingdom of God is like, this is talking again of the seed, Jesus said in other places, the word of God. In another parable. The parable of the sower and the soil. And there's a lot of application to this, but today we want to talk about the seed of the word of God concerning faith and prayer. And you plant it. The Bible says you sow and then you reap. In Galatians chapter 5, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he'll reap eternal life. And this is talking about a man who plants, he sows seed. And then as he sows the seed, he says... He goes to sleep by night and day. Day and night goes on. And he says, and the seed shall sprout and grow. But he doesn't know how. And in the same way, when we begin to exercise faith, and we we exercise it in prayer, and we exercise faith as we walk and as we speak, we talked about speaking words of faith as an indication of what's in our heart. We don't know how God is going to work all this out. We don't know how it's going to, we don't know how this happens. Just like when you plant a seed in the ground, we know it's going to sprout, but how does this all happen? All we know is it's going to happen. It's an exercise of faith to plant the seed. And then it says it comes up. First a blade. It says, then the head. You got the stalk, and then you got the head. 
and then the full grain in the head, and the rain ripe, grain ripens, immediately puts on the sickle because the harvest has come. Of course, this is talking about the eternal life, the kingdom of God, Jesus returning, all these things. But there is a principle here that applies to exercising faith and prayer. That God shows us along the way when we exercise faith. We don't know how God is going to work all this out. And sometimes people give up because of that. You know? They don't believe the seed's going to sprout. We don't believe it's going to grow. You know, the Bible says we sow in hope. We plant in hope. In hope of a return, of a harvest. You know? He who sows with tears, uh, you know, uh, shall come again. Uh, I forget how it goes. He's bringing in his sheaves with rejoicing. Yeah, rejoicing, carrying his sheaves with him. The harvest. And here it is, right here. Speaking of applying this to faith and prayer, that we don't know how God always works all these things out. Don't give up. And we don't see everything happening. We don't, we're praying for a long time. Once in a while we see a little blade come up and we see little evidence that God is at work. But we got to persist and pursue and endure and be patient until the time of harvest. We sow in tears, we reap with joy. And again, the harvest of receiving the end of our prayers. In Hebrews chapter 6, In verse 11 it says, Hebrews 6.11, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. But that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, He swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Patience and endurance. Not laziness, not sluggishness, but diligence. In full assurance of the hope. It says that God swore to Abraham... And he said, surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. That was the promise to Abraham. It was clear and simple. There was nothing complicated about that. He said it, it was very clear. And so it is with the promises of God. They are clear and they are simple. We are the ones who complicate it by listening to the wrong voices. So we see number one in unbelief is a lack of patience. 
In verse chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 35... Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of patience or endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. This clearly indicates that God does not always answer us when we snap our fingers. And sometimes He answers our prayers in a way we don't expect and differently. But He will answer. But we need have a need of endurance. This is not a 40-yard dash. This is an endurance race. The Bible tells us to run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. A need of patience. We want things done in our time, and that's self-will. We want things to be over and done with and everything to be hunky-dory the way we want it. No problems, no issues, no complications. None of that. Nada. It's not the way it works. <clears throat> Do not cast away your confidence. And the reason why it says that there, that statement very clearly is, is because... That happens to us. It's happened to all of us. We've had confidence in God, but because it took some time, and we didn't see things happening, we didn't see any more than a blade or a stalk, we casted away our confidence, our trust in God, our faith. That's the issue. That's one of the issues. Another issue was something that was mentioned last week in the next chapter in Hebrews 11, was touched on. Chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 5, speaks of Enoch. You're not a lot written about Enoch. But there's one thing that's written about Enoch that we understand and know about, that he pleased God. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, but was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Say, well, boy, what did he do? This man, what did he do that he pleased God? This man must have had a perfect life. He must have done everything perfectly that he pleased God. But it's not what it says. It says he pleased God. And it tells us what it means to please God. It says, it's impossible to please God, verse 6, for you comes to God must believe that He is. I am that I am, God said. Believe who He is. Not who we make Him up to be, a God of our own understanding, a golden calf that we make with our own imagination, that He is who He is. That's number one. Enoch believed that. And there's another thing that he did that pleased God. Because this is impossible to please God without these two things. Believe who he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
It doesn't say it pleases God if we diligently seek and we seek Him. It doesn't say that He must. It doesn't say just that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, and that will please Him if we diligently seek Him. If you read this carefully, there's something that we can very easily overlook. We must believe in order to please God that He will reward us when we seek Him diligently. That we we sow the seeds of faith, believing the Word of God and applying it. That He will re- we must believe that He will reward us for that. And that's where we cast away our confidence because we begin to fade away from that. And we begin to listen to our carnal nature instead of what God is saying. A preacher once wrote this, Failure to believe that time spent with God will bring power into our lives. Enables us to use our time wisely and enjoy His abiding presence all day. We think that somehow we have to fit that into our busy schedule instead of the other way around. Our busy schedule can become uncomplicated and simplified we let God take over and let God ordain our day because he is Lord and our Lord of our day an exercise of faith the failure to believe that time spent with God will bring power into our lives And we'll have the abiding presence of God all day. We'll recognize Him. It's not that He isn't there. A lot of times we just don't recognize Him. Why? Because we don't take the time to get in that place. From there, want to look quick quickly at Matthew chapter 13 <coughs> in the midst of Jesus's parables <coughs> chapter 13 verse 24 And another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, or weeds, among the wheat, and went his way. When the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to them, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? How then did it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy did this. We sow seeds of faith and prayer and, and we're so and, and trust in God 
then along comes the enemy to sow seeds of unbelief. This is also this is also reflected in the earlier parable where Jesus gives the parable the sower and the soil and he explains it in verse 18 of chapter 13. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, the wicked one comes and snatches away which was sown in his heart, the seed upon the wayside. The enemy comes and tries to undo our faith. Verse 20, he receives the seed on the stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives with joy. But he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. We harden our heart to the word of God. When we're trusting God, then trouble happens. Things happen. We begin to harden our heart. The Bible talks about being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Our hearts harden by sin's deceitfulness. A hardened heart. We harden our heart toward faith, towards trusting God. I was trusting God and it didn't work. Harden your heart. Verse 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. Another one, another uh, passage similar to this says, the lust of many things choke out the word. And they become unfruitful. And this is what we're looking at here when we're talking about having a fruitful prayer life where we reap the harvest. These are the the principles of the kingdom of God. And they also apply to faith and prayer. When we're looking to receive a harvest, sowing and reaping, we want that that, that stalk to grow up and, and become a head and the rape, and the head ripen and then to, to the point of harvest, the fruitfulness of receiving the end of our prayers. We want that. How does that happen? It happens by continuing in the Spirit, continuing to trust God and to apply faith and not to harden our heart and not to be caught up in the world. That's what this part's talking about. All the, the trappings and draw the way of the world, the flesh. The flesh doesn't understand the things of God, and it can't. The natural man doesn't understand the things of the flesh. And the problem is, this part here talks about the natural man, the flesh, and how it deceives, and how it turns us away, so we don't bear the fruit that we're hoping for. What does it lead to? Unbelief. 
It leads to Grand Central Station, unbelief. Where does it come from? All the things we've been reading about. It leads to unbelief. Matthew 17. Slow down the road a little ways. Now we read this in the Gospel of Mark last week and we referred to this. Jesus comes down from a mountain with uh, Peter, James, and John. His other disciples couldn't cast a demon out of this man's son. Jesus did it. Verse 19, And the disciples came to him privately and said, Why could we not cast out this demon? We did it before. Why couldn't we do it now? Why could you do it and we couldn't? Jesus' answer is very straightforward here. Because of your unbelief, Some versions say, because of your little faith. The littleness of your faith. Because of your unbelief. Surely I say to you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So I've been praying and it's still an unbelief. The implied thing here is that is that you're, we're praying in an effective way. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man produces much. So the assumption and the implication here is that we're praying in a way that is effective. Because we know that from experience that we can pray in a way that's ineffective. It doesn't produce anything. The effective prayer. This prayer, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. The remedy for unbelief is coming to Jesus. As Jesus said, come to me. All you are burdened heavily laden and I will give you rest rest for our souls there is a rest for the people of God those who believe enter his rest it's all over the place isn't it rest resting through believing I'm trying to believe faith comes by hearing the word of God we confess our unbelief we talked about last week when we see it, we don't just sit on our hands, say, you know, but we come to Jesus and say, Help my unbelief. Not just when catastrophe hits, but when we see unbelief in our life. And Jesus, as we come to Him, this is what He says to us. This is how you deal with unbelief, with seeking Him in prayer and fasting.
Our human nature doesn't want to hear that. Oh, I got to spend all this time seeking God. Oh, I got so much to do. Oh, I have such a busy schedule. Oh, my, you know, my, you know, my body hurts. I don't feel like fasting, and I don't really like fasting because I get hunger pains, and you know, it's really, it's not comfortable, and. Yeah, we can just go on and on. And I understand there's some medical conditions that we might have to modify our fasts and everything. But we got to deal with our flesh and discipline our flesh. The Apostle Paul said, I beat my body into subjection and make it my servant, my slave. That way I preach to others, I myself not become a castaway. Oh, we got to deal with it. We got to deal with our flesh. We got to deal with our human nature. The Bible talks about crucifying it. Jesus talks about denying ourselves, picking up a cross, and following Him, dealing with our human nature. Because Jesus says in the parable of the sower of the soil that if we listen to our human nature, that we bear no fruit to perfection, we'll not get the harvest. We won't be spiritual. We need our prayers to be answered. We need to be spiritual. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We read these things. In another place, Jesus was asked, why aren't your disciples fasting? And Jesus says, oh yeah, my disciples will fast after I go away. Jesus has gone away. He's, he's here. He's given us His Spirit. But He's called his followers, his disciples, Christians to fast. I remember hearing a famous Korean preacher who came over here from Korea to preach in the churches over here in the good old USA. And he described the difference between the churches in South Korea and the churches here. He said over there, he said, every day, he says, every day Christians are coming into our meeting houses and, and into our churches and meeting houses 4.30 in the morning to seek God in prayer together before they go to work, their jobs, before they go to our places. He said, it's a lot different. He said, when on the other side, when the border of their country is North Korea and Red China, their enemies, and it's scary. There's all kinds of issues with that country, and they got a gun pointing down their throat every day. It's there, grave danger every day, and not only is it a danger of them taking over. But you know, in those countries, Christianity is outlawed. They have a lot of problems there. And he says, and he, he came and observed that the churches in the United States and the good old USA. And this was his observation. He said, the Christians in the United States of America he says, instead of praying and fasting, they're playing and feasting. Now this isn't a word of condemnation. It's a word of observation. 
man coming from a foreign country and coming here. And that's what he saw. It was really different over here. It was sluggish. Like it says. Don't be sluggish. Lazy. Spiritually. And we're not, there's no pointing of fingers of anybody at this. But as a preacher once said, if our toes are getting stepped on, our feet are getting stepped on, getting them out of the aisle. If this is us, you know, take a long look at ourselves. A sober look at the mirror. Are we praying and fasting or playing and feasting? Is there sobriety and, and a pursuit of holiness in our lives? Are we pursuing God in prayer? Are we sluggish? Careless? My disciples will fast. Ephesians chapter 3 says this. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We don't know how. Just like the farmer that plants a seed in the ground. We don't know how he, he can do beyond what we can ask or think. It'd be better. We don't know how. We can't figure it out. And so in our, nat- in our natural mind, oh, we don't know how God could possibly do this. And so we back away. We retreat. We cast away our confidence. Because we don't know how God could do it. We don't have to know how God That's God's job to know how to do that stuff. To make the seed sprout. We don't know how God makes the seed sprout, but it does. There's life in that seed. We don't know how. But it's there. The mysteries of the nature show us something about the principles of the kingdom of God. Jesus uses them all the time. According to the power that is at work within us. He's able to do it, but it's according to our faith. Let it be done unto us, Jesus said. According to the power that is at work within us. We plant the seeds of faith But where do we go from there? Do we continue to trust God until we receive the harvest? Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Those are the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. That our joy may be full. God wants our joy to be full. He wants us to be full of joy. Apostle Peter talks about it too. With joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's the Christian life. Yeah, but I have all these problems and conditions and all these other things. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content no matter what the circumstances are. I can still be full of joy inexpressible and full of glory. We're learning. God, teach us. Lord, teach us to pray. His disciples said that to him. Lord, teach us to pray.
ask and you shall receive. Very simple, very uncomplicated, easy for a child to understand. I'm going to stop here and let you brothers comment on this and anything else you've brought. You know, uh, John, you mentioned something that the Lord has been putting on your heart, so I'm going to share that. Anything you brothers want to share, uh, please do that. We've got like a half an hour yet. A half an hour.